morning. Brother Lynn, do we have Miss Susan on the line? Yes, sir. I am All here. Right, I am here. Okay. Would you start I would like us today? To sir? Would, would you start us today with a word of prayer? Yes, Ms. sir. Okay. First of all, I would like to give thanks to Miss Sarah Jackson and her team, her prayer team, for praying for my son. Um, the surgery went well, and he came home on yesterday, and I already shared that with Miss Jackson. So I just wanted to share it again with her her friend. He came on Friday night. He came home Friday. Friday night. Mm. Yeah, it was Friday night to, because it is Sunday. He came home Friday night. Mm-hmm. I just appreciate her team and her for praying for him. All right. Kind Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for another day to be with you. You are so great and loving to us. We love to eulogize you because you are so kind and loving to us. You are better than good. There's no secret, no complaint that we share with you that you don't manifest yourself for us. And we adore you. We appreciate that from you. Mm. You sit high and you look low. And we also thank you for forgiving us for our sin of omission and omission. Prepare our heart and mind to receive your rhema word on this morning. I am covering myself, the listeners, and our family member with the blood of Jesus that we will not get any backlashes from this prayer. Father, continue to open doors of favor for this ministry, the overseer, and his family member. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We are so joyful with, uh, you know, what God has done to your son, you know, and that whole surgery, Um, you know. This is the God we serve, you know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He takes every word that we say. Hallelujah. Yes, Hallelujah. Yes. Thank this you so much, sir. For, yes, you're welcome. But, you know, all of these are, you know, this is a, like a second one of those that's very close to us, Miss Susan, that yes, had sir. like a miracle and healing happen earlier. Like as we heard Miss Barbara talk about her daughter, Yes, sir. You know, and the same thing, like, you know, God hears every word that comes out of our mouth. And the Bible mm-hmm. says that when those who fear the Lord talk to each other, mm-hmm. the yes. Father in heaven listens and yes. hears their conversation. Even yes. when we just like a talk to each other, God mm-hmm. is listening to the voices. Yes. So this is the time, you know, for us to praise God for, you know, what. He has done, as we always talk about, like two things that the enemy is afraid of. One, he's afraid of like the blood of Jesus Christ. And the second one he is afraid of is the testimonies of his saints. There is anything that God has done for you this week. This is a great time to share. Yes,
Uh, this is Randy. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the road. My uh, to praise prayer, praise uh, concern or prayer request for my sister Karen. She's had some digestive issues, severe ones, where if she eats too much food at a time, her body blows, and some other things. So she only eats like I found out she's down to a quarter of a cup of food every 45 minutes. Her uh, husband's burnt out on helping her make food. She's burnt out on making food, don't have the energy. Didn't know what they were going to do. Talked to a neighbor about it. A friend volunteered as a ministry to come fix her food and um, clean her house. Like, all within, Praise like, 48 Lord. hours of requesting it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, and, Jesus. Uh, and I'm on the way to you know, see her now, but you know, pray for her. But just a miracle that somebody just uh, within like 48 hours is just like, oh, God, I just can't take this anymore. Just let me volunteer without much luck. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The thing is that, uh, you know, um, every time, like, uh, we hear, like, uh, you know, a request for, like, uh, um, someone needs to be taken care of, it's almost at that, that point, it is a need, mm-hmm. not a want, it's a need. And that God, mm-hmm. you know, the Bible says that God shall supply all our needs. Mm-hmm. Amen. According to his riches and glory. Mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Daryl, earlier this week, Sarah and I prayed for um, jobs for the men and the women coming out. Um, and it's happening. Um, there are five or six companies that have lifted their felon um, things to for them to be able to apply for jobs. Mm. And, um, I do yeah. have a list of things, so if anybody is in need or asked you, I do have a list of people. Oh, wonderful. That are mm-hmm. and call and it, call it text it to me. Okay. Text the list to me, okay? Thank you. I will. I will. Send it to me, and too. There, call it. Okay. There's a um, trucking company that two um, black men own that they said that they are hiring felons for, for driving jobs. I mean, it's just a miracle that this thing is happening because I remember you saying Friday that Nikki Haley said to you, do you try to get these people jobs? And we don't need to because our God is opening up these doors for these men and women. Um, Look how he's opened it up for Shirley to be able to work into the health field that she wanted to be in. Um, Things are going to happen. Things are going to change. Absolutely. Our God, he serves, said no more. And he is a forgiving God, and um, he will lift these men up to get these jobs and these women. Amen. 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 The God who just reduced, the God who reduced the number of men serving time in prison in South Carolina from 25,000 to 15,000. Amen. And to make a way for these men Amen. to find a job. Yes. Yes. So, they yes. so they can support their families. Yes. Because I, Thank you, Lord. I know in my own son's life that 
that's what he that's all he talks about is to be able to take care of things for his daughter and um although and she's his gonna mother. be out on and her own, mother. he still wants to be there for and his mama. Yeah. yeah. He still wants to be there for his daughter. You know. Yeah. And, um what they're yeah. what they talk about every day is just amazing, um how close they have become. Because just across that table or just in that room is not enough time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those 15 minute phone calls just are not not enough time to say what you want to say. And uh, it's really, it's really a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Blessed that God will begin a good work in Brian. He's not going to come, you know. Leave them halfway yeah. so he will oh, see yes. them to the oh, complete yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, uh, to God be the glory, um, a little over a year, well, has it, I, I'm, my time is, is going so quickly. I don't know what time it is, but for the time that Matt has been in Texas, um, you know, when he got out, he uh, got married right away, and he went to Texas, and he he was looking for work, and now the Lord has blessed him, has given him favor, where he is interviewing individuals to work with Amazon. Now, you know, that's God. That's only God. That's nothing but God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nothing but God. Thank you, Lord. He him, so... Oh, yes. That's a blessing. And he is humble. Um, He knows his blessing, and I just thank the Lord. So that's a praise that, um, I mean, it's it's just such a blessing. I prayed for him to be able to find a job, and and the Lord answered. He gave, I think, three jobs before he got this one, and 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 the Lord has blessed him with favor with this owner of that company, of that specific um, franchise. And thank uh, you, So we know Amazon is into hiring people. So yes, I don't know yes, they here, are. I know in, in Texas they are. Yes. So praise they are the Lord. Here also. Okay. They are here um, you know, there's a lot of people that don't want to work right now, but our men and women are willing to work. So yes, yes. Open those doors. Man. That's all. Amen. The thing is, uh, you know, Mesera, when you talk about like that, you know, how he is blessed, not only now he got a job, but he is now interviewing and providing job for somebody, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like yeah. an Abrahamic covenant, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, he says, like, I will bless those who bless you. You, right? yes. Yes, Lord. So it's not just like us that is going to be blessed, but everybody that we touch, like a Obed, our family will be blessed. Yes. Yes. Our friends yes. will Thank be blessed. God. Our city will be blessed. Our nation will be blessed. Because of like a what God is doing through our life, you know? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like to share um a story, um, piggybacking off of what you just said, um, uh, Cyril about the Abrahamic covenant. 
And um, this week, um, actually a couple of days ago, I had a dream. And um, I won't go through the whole dream. Um, this is Katina, everybody. I won't go through the whole dream, but I did want to touch on this one um, aspect of the dream, which led me to um, doing some research and, you know, just communicating with God and asking him for clarity. And um, we've been going through some things uh, in, in my family in regards to, um, you know, my brothers and, and what have you. And it's really requiring us to see beyond what their current situation is and see God in the situation because it's so hard sometimes for you to not get frustrated with what's right before your eyes. And we have mm-hmm. to support our young men and see beyond their current situation and see the God in the situation of tomorrow and see what they can become and not look at what they are right now. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that's really imperative because, you know, speaking back to the Abrahamic covenant, you know, God made a promise to Abraham, but Abraham wasn't there to see the promise fulfilled. So we may not always get a chance to actually see the promises of, of God over our family's lives fulfilled. However, we have a responsibility to pray and cover our family members. Yes, yes. But the dream entailed a, a message that someone sent um, my husband and I. And the message was, the guy was so anxious, he just had to, to give me this message. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you this message. I'm going to text you this message. Well, he texted me. And in my dream, I was able to open up my phone and I looked at the text and the text said, it was a question, what is the fastest growing tree in the garden? And the response was, no, what, 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 nourishes, what nourishes the fastest growing tree in the garden? And the response was prayer. Mm. And so I was a little baffled by that. So then I, you know, I got up and I went to the word and I started, you know, Googling like trees, you know, in the Bible and, you know, their growth and and stuff like that. And one of the things that I ran across was the tamarack tree. Mm. And the tamarack tree is one of those trees that actually, it was the tree that Abraham um, actually planted as a altar for Mm -hmm. God and his family members would be able to come and remember and have the, the covenant over them when he's long gone. So, it was, mm-hmm. you know, they always made an altar when they had an experience with the Lord. And Abraham actually planted this tamarack tree. And this tree is one that's normally found in dry deserts, dry seasons when everything looks dead. But yeah. the root of the tree is so, runs so deep that it's able to sustain itself because of the water that's underneath the earth. So therefore, it gets the nourishment that it needs all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, so I'm like, okay, well, God, what does that mean? Okay, I get that it's a dry, you know, wilderness, it's a dead season. What does that actually mean? You know, this tree, you know, the roots run so deep that it gets its nourishment from under the waters of the earth from the waters that's underneath the earth and is able to sustain itself and it never dies. And I started thinking, and I was like, Lord, what does that mean? Okay, how is prayer connected to that? Because normally when we go to God in prayer, you know, when, when we're hurting and our family, we're calling out to God for our family members, we're shedding tears. 
those tears are the, 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 the nourishment. That is the water that's actually nourishing the prayer that we're placing upon the altar of the Father on behalf of our children. And that's why the most important nourishment for it is prayer. Because normally prayer, in prayer, we, we shed tears. And those tears are so important that we're sharing, and they don't go unnoticed because they are nourishing the promises. They are nourishing the prayers. They're nourishing, nourishing the, 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 the word that, that we're speaking over our family members. And I just found mm-hmm. that to be so profound. And so we've mm-hmm. got to remember that we have to pray without ceasing, even when it seems like the prayer is not going anywhere. It is watering mm-hmm. the dry ground. It is giving life mm-hmm. to the dry soil, which seems dead. It is actually the, the covenant and the promises of God over that situation will be yea and amen. And we just got to remember that. So despite of what it looks like right now, don't let the enemy get you caught up into the now because there is a tomorrow and God has a plan for that person and for that family member. So I just wanted Amen. to share that. I'm sorry. Amen. 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 Oh, hallelujah. I mean, the thing that you said, Miss Katina, is very important. Like, you know, sometimes we wish something good happen to our family member. We actually want to do something so that it will help one of our family members. Mm-hmm. But when we start to pray, then what we spoke upon their life is now getting nourished. Mm-hmm. What we spoke, like the goodness that we spoke upon that life is now getting the nutrients that it requires. Yes, yes. What we were doing to help them to get through is now getting all the energy that it requires. Now God, you know, sees Mm -hmm. like not only you you did something for that person, now you're claiming that victory in my name. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Any other praise items? I just want to thank God this morning. Um, this is Brenda, and um, I want to thank God because um. And I want to thank everybody on this line that prayed for me. A few months ago, I had told y'all that I was losing a lot of weight and um, didn't know why. And my doctors did a series of tests, and um, they found the problem. I thank God this morning because the problem that they found you know, God or she, that's from danger, seen and unseen. Amen. The problem that they found was not the problem that was causing my weight loss, but it's a problem that if I don't get it taken care of, it could be detrimental to my health even further. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just thank God for giving doctors the knowledge, you know, and the technology to to just explore and to make us aware of what's happening in our lives with the things that we can't see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have to get this problem taken care of, you know, and they don't know whether this problem is going to cure the weight loss problem that I've got, but I just thank God that they found this particular problem, that had mm-hmm. I not gone through a series of tests, 
I would have never known that I had this problem. And if I let this problem go unknowing and not get it fixed, it could actually kill me. So I just really thank God this morning for, you know, just for, you know, for healing me of dangerous unseen things that I did not know that the doctors found. That, you know, God's going to take care of it. You know, he's going to give them the knowledge that they need to, you know, to take care of it. And I'm just claiming the fact today, I'm just prophesying in advance that once they take care of that problem, the other problem is going to be fixed. Amen. I just give God all glory this morning just for, you know, being so mindful of what I need. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Miss Glenda, the thing is that so many times you are in the presence of the Holy God in prayer. You're in the presence of Holy God in reading his word. His presence is going to touch every part of your body. Even the things that they are finding now will have no place in your body, that God's going to heal you completely. Yes, that you would feel like, you know, how we're going to read about somebody today. You're going to feel exactly like the person that we're going to deal with today, like a, how God is going to not just like a batch things in your body. He's going to make things new in your body. Yes, yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Good morning. My name is Jackie Anderson, and uh, Pastor Sarah is very familiar with me. And uh, mm-hmm. I got the email last night about the call this morning, and I just felt uh, led by the Holy Spirit to join you all this morning. And I've really been enjoying the testimonies that I've been hearing and hearing the good work that the Lord is doing with the uh, ex ex-prisoners now out there in the work field finding jobs and I praise God for that and Sister Brenda I will um, keep you in prayer I don't know if you remember me or not but I do I do okay and I will keep definitely keep you in prayer I do remember you it's good hearing all the voices it's been a long time since I've uh, you know talked with any of you and I just praise God for giving me the uh, umption to want to make this phone call Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I'm so glad you're with us this morning. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. The conference has been muted. Father God, we come before your throne of grace one more time. We just like a lift up all of these prayers and praises before your throne of grace. God, we pray that even right now as we go into the word, Father God, speak to us today in, in clarity. Father God, speak to us into areas where we need the strength, Father. 
God, we pray that this morning that you will just like, a, you know, energize our souls, even though the, the temperature outside is just like a cold. Father God, we pray that you will just like, a, you know, heat up our spirits, heat up our souls this morning, that we would, Father God, hold on to what you are going to say to us. We surrender ourselves into your mighty hands, Lord. You take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, Father, for your glory. Amen. The thing is this. Every time, you know, um, we come into uh, uh, the service with the praises and uh, the, the things, the messages that God sends, I'm always thinking, like, uh, right after that, we should just, like, end the service because this is exactly what God wants to do. We have done that. We don't need to do anything more to this because God has already spoken about certain things to somebody already. Because when we go into the Word of God, the Word of God ministers to us, but He also ministers to us through all these praises and testimonies because it edifies the church. So this morning, here's what we're going to do. We've been talking about the miracles of God, right? The miracles done by Jesus. We have done like a two miracles. We have done... First, uh, we, we looked at the ten lepers, and then we looked at the, the, the blind men uh, in, in the story that uh, John was tracking. And today, what, we want, what I want to do is like a go back and look at some of the parallels to the miracles that Jesus did. And look at what was happening and what are some of the things that we can lean on from the message uh, that, you know, that's already planted in these verses, in these passages, right? So far, we have seen a leper, the ten lepers. So this morning, I want to go back to Second Kings chapter 5. It's talking about another man who also went through the leprosy in his life. But here's the thing. When we saw about the ten lepers last time, and, and that when Jesus cured all ten of them, he gave them an instruction to go back to the temple and tell in the synagogue that they should just like register themselves and make themselves known to the priests, right? And we saw how these men, when they heard Jesus said that you're cured, you're healed, they started walking towards the temple, and while they were walking, they were cured. Right? And one of them comes back after being healed, and the Bible says he was healed again. And we saw the second time when the word healed was used, it was a different word than the first one. The first one was catheterization, or you are physically healed, whereas the second one was a sozo, which means like he wasn't just healed physically, he was healed mentally, he was healed spiritually, he was healed in his soul, he was healed in his mind, he gave his life to Christ. I mean, the thing that happened second time was more complete than the physical healing that he had the first time, right? So keep that in your background. Keep that in your radar screen as we go to these verses today. 
um, into Second Kings chapter 15. I'm going to read from New King James Version the first 19 verses. Now, Naaman, the commander of army of the king of Syria, was a great and a honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him for his leprosy. And the Na- Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised. When this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And that, and it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks to quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? This is not your battle boss. Please let him come to me. He shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stood. He stood at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times. Your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? but I not wash in them and be clean. So he turned and went away in rage. And his servant came near and spoke to him and said, My father, 
if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then, when he says to you, wash and be clean, so he went down and dipped seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and the flesh was restored like a flesh of a little child, and he was clean. I'm going to come back to the verses 15 through 19 a little bit later. But let's look at these verses one more time very closely. Sometimes when we read these kind of passages, the, the, the message is already implanted. We can just like uh, enjoy that story so much, and it's already uh, very clear. And this is one of those stories, right? Who is this man, Naaman? Right? What do we know about this guy? His name, Naaman, means pleasant or a nice guy. Right? And he is a commander of chief, highly decorated leader among men. Right? The Bible says in the first verse itself, great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. A very powerful position because the king of this country knows this guy. Right? That, that he is well known among the leadership circles. Right? He is very influential in the Syrian army. Right? In fact, the king that used to go and do the fight, no longer goes to the fight because he has given that charge over to this man named Naaman. He's a mighty man of valor. Right? He's a, he's a warrior, hero, right, of this nation. And look at the fine print on that verse 1. These guys, okay, you have to understand, Syria is a nation that constantly gives trouble to Israel. Syria wants to come in and destroy things and raid things. The Syrians would come and just like, it's, it's in such a position. You look at the Syria even today, it's just like on the edges of Israel. It's on the edge of Jordan. It's, I mean, there are so many countries that are connected to this nation called Syria, and so they can go any direction and just like a raid on people and get like, a, you know, where there is not much of security, they would just like a pile on and bring it home. Right? But the Bible says in the first one, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. That was just amazed me that because of Naaman, even though, Syrians were killing Israelites, right? God was still blessing this guy, Naaman. Because of him, the city was getting victory. I couldn't understand. How can a covenant God of Israel can give Syria that Israel's national enemy victories through Naaman, right? But in the first verse, this is how the first verse of this chapter is ending. He was a leper. There are five characteristics that we know about Naaman. He's a commander-chief. He was great and honorable in the eyes of his master. The Lord blessed him, blessed the nation through him. 
we see him as a mighty man of valor. And the fifth character is that he had leprosy. A couple of weeks ago when we read about leprosy, it was in those days, it was considered as a sin. Lepers were shunned and disgraced. It's almost like a death sentence. Apart from a miracle from God, there is no cure, no hope for lepers, no medication, no treatment. You are going to die with this disease once you have it. Even today, I just read somewhere that it would take nearly a different combination of tests that needed to be done and that test and the, 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 the things that they need to do for a leprosy, a person with leprosy would take two years before they could see any change in their body. It was just such a deadly disease. This man, despite all the qualities, the riches, in fact, in one place I saw, Naaman was so rich, he was richer than everyone put together in the nation of Israel at that time, right? And his leprosy could not be healed by anything or anyone else. Only an act of God can heal Naaman, right? So he is the prime hero of this story that we're going to be reading about today, right? Several, several people have heard this message before. We're just going to pick on like a three or four places in this message and see how it would apply to us today, right? The number one thing that I wanted to go back and look at this verse is we are well-placed where God wants us to be. That's the number one point. We are well-placed where God wants us to be, right? The reason why I'm saying that is oftentimes the enemy puts this, this thought in our mind saying, if only you had done this before, if only you had married that person instead of this person, if only you had studied this subject over that subject, if only you have done this, you would have been in a different place. You're not in the right place right now. That's the kind of a thought that the enemy puts in every one of our minds. But even when we make mistakes, God has us where he wants us right now. Even though there were doctors that were telling Miss Brenda that these are tests that needed to be done, it was supposedly for something else that was going in her body, but God still kept her in a good place where what needed to be done will be done, right? So we're going to read. Have you heard this term, read between the lines today morning? I'm going to ask you to read between two verses. The second verse says, And the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with a prophet in who's in Samaria, but he would heal him of his leprosy. Okay? 
So what do we know about this young girl, right? And we have to read between the second verse and the third verse, there is something happening here that it is not normally when you read the Bible, you read verses, something that happens in the middle that's not actually tracked. So we're just going to look at that something that's between the second and third verse. But before that, who is this girl? What do we know about her? In the entire Bible, there are only two verses that we, we know about her, two verses that are talking about her, right? In fact, the Bible doesn't even give her a name. She's an unknown person. She's a young girl. Uh, another version says that she's a little girl. She was a maid servant. Those are the kind of terms used for this girl. She was a slave picked up as a captive when they went raiding on Israel. Girls in those days were not of significant importance. They, they were always looked down. They always had like a men as the top of their hierarchy, then the women, then the, then the children would come. And even within the hierarchy of children, the women were considered, the girls were considered a little lower in those days. She was waiting on Naaman's wife. That's how it's ending, which means like she's serving the master's wife, right? So here's the thing. There are a lot of things that has happened, bad things that has happened to this girl. She was actually picked up, you know, along the way. She was dragged probably. Her parents were probably killed along the way. She probably, or if, even if they were alive, because the Bible doesn't say anything about her parents, the worst case scenario, she, she's separated from her parents. She's not in her comfort zone. She is in a foreign land. Think about it this way. She's often serving in master's house, right? And between the second verse and the third verse, here's what is happening, right? She's a slave at the end of second wife, and she's serving the master's wife. But on the third verse, it looks like she's giving advice to her master's wife. She's actually telling her master's wife, only if the master goes to Samaria, he's going to be healed. So between the second verse and third verse, she has earned the respect of her master. She was probably like, a, you know, was doing her job so well that the, the master's wife actually took her everywhere she went. And when they actually were walking outside, they were probably talking to each other. Nobody will tell their slaves their personal problems in those days. But here, the master's wife is opening herself and telling what is happening in a private setting with the Naaman. She's actually telling the slave girl. In those days, because Naaman was so rich and powerful, he would have hidden his hands. 
he would have just like taken all kinds of gold and things like that and put it around his hands that nobody would see that he has a leprosy behind those clothes and behind those ornaments. But the thing is that the master's wife has been opening that secrecy to this young girl. And this young girl had the courage to speak up. She pointed her master and the masters uh, to, to, to go and get cured. And in fact, the nation of Syria, you know, is going to be introduced and changed forever through what this young girl has told. What did the what did take place in this young girl's life that she was able to let go of her resentment? She had to let go and forgive all the wounds that experienced in her life. She, she just like led even the master to go after a, 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 a place where they had animosity between those two countries. What took her? That conviction that, that for her to just like a go and tell with that courage is because she was overcoming her hurdles and pain and started to forgive this master. Sometimes we feel like, you know, we have nothing to offer. And in fact, we are ready to complain because they did this, they did that to us. While God is saying, you and I this morning are well placed. You and I are given an assignment in the place that we are in right now. And God says, I'm going to take care of you in the midst of all the things that are happening to you as long as you continue with your assignment that you've called to do. I was there in an Omaha airport this was like a seven, eight years ago. We have an event in South Dakota. And this happened even once when I was there in Houston as well. Those were the days when we started Proverbs 2 to 6, where I would have spent all the money that I had in my hand out of my debit card, out of my credit card, I would have wiped out everything. Right? And so here is an event that was happening in South Dakota, and I wiped out everything to go there. And there was someone who was supposed to send me money um, while, you know, before I got on the plane, I spoke to this guy and said, like, uh, you know, we have an event and I need some money. And he said, yes, it will be there. I'm going to transfer the money. And so I land up in Omaha to find out that the money is not in my account. And so I'm walking out and I'm just praying and I'm saying, I call this guy and he's not responding. And I said, like, God, I've done everything that I can. I'm here and tomorrow is our event in South Dakota. There are nearly 15 families that needed to be ministered that are coming from different parts of the country. They're coming the previous night. I have nothing there. There's nothing in my debit card. There's nothing in my credit card. I'm walking out of this. I even need a car to drive another three hours to go to Sioux Falls. And so I go to the counter, Alamo counter, 
and I took my card because they were saying like uh, uh, only credit card is is what they would accept. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't have money in my debit card nor credit card. What do I got to lose? Okay, you want a credit card? Sure. I took one of my cards, Amex card, which had no balance, and I swiped it on that card reader, and out came the key and a receipt that said, charged $0 to release this car. And I still have the bill. And why am I reminding myself this week, I was sharing with somebody something, and then this bill falls out of that folder. The point that I'm making is this. Sometimes we go to a place where there is no other help but God has to show up to help us to get through. The things that we are going through may not be something that we have experienced before. This young girl was taken out of her comfort zone. She was put in a place. She has every right to be complained complaining and resentful and unforgiveness can all be all over her place, but still she just was able to overcome them all. Have you ever wondered why did you allow this God? Have you ever wondered asking this question to God, why did you allow this God? What are you struggling with today? Are you complaining that God hasn't rescued you? Have you ever thought that God has placed you where he wants you to be? You and I are well placed in God's hand. You and I are known to the king. You and I are known to the leaders. You and I have our names written in the book of remembrance. Every time we open our mouth and praise, the angel or the Lord runs before the God of this universe and writes our name in the book of remembrance. God knows our name, just like the king knew Naaman. And the second point about this girl is this. She had a courage. She, she had a courage to tell her master. Sometimes we know our friends are doing is not correct, but we don't have that courage to tell them. Sometimes we know that we have to tell this coworker that we are working with about Christ, but we don't have the courage to tell them. And you may think like, you know, we are all fallen. We all have issues, okay? So nobody is exempt from it. So don't beat yourself. Here's one example. Two weeks ago, uh, I was there right after the Sunday morning service. It was a great service. I spoke about this leprosy, uh, 10 lepers, and then one came back and all those things. And right after, I had to go to Staples, right? And... Um, I was standing in the line, and this guy who was working in the counter couldn't find the, the card that I had given order, and he was searching and searching and searching. He couldn't find 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I'm still standing in that line. There was this young girl, or I should say young lady, that was standing behind me well-dressed, right? And so I felt really sorry that she's standing 
while nobody's working on her case, but here is the man still searching for mine, and at least somebody's attending to my problem. None of them is just even looking at her. So I turned around, and she, uh, it was Sunday morning, right? So I asked her, oh, you must be coming from the church. I'm so sorry. It's taking time. Hopefully he will find it soon. So I'm trying to make like a small talk with her, right? And she turned around, and she said, no, 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 I'm going to work. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, so it's a Sunday, you're dressed up, and you're going to work, and you didn't go to church. And she said, yeah, ever since I started working, I'm not able to go to church. It's been a while since I've gone to church. The thing is that every inch in my body was saying, Cyril, tell her the importance of going to church, right? But I did not, you know, have that courage of like opening myself to tell her that. I felt so bad right after. And I, I, I just feel this day I'm praying that God will speak to her and send some resources. But I had that opportunity to tell her, and I missed it, right? A lot of times we don't have the courage to tell people, we, when we are in a Bible study, when we are in a church setup, when we are in a place like this, we don't have a problem talking about our Christ. We don't have a problem because we know the other person who is listening to knows about the Christ. But we all need to be carrying this banner, the Yahweh Nisi's banner, every place that we go to. And the reason why we don't do it is the very reason why in America, less than 3.5% in most of the cities, less than 3.5% of people go to church on Sunday mornings. In fact, the study, there is a study that says that 82% of the people would go to the church if someone invites them. Let me say this one more time, because that's very important. The study says 82% of the people would go to church if someone invites them. A lot of times we tell people, oh, that's a good movie I watched yesterday. Immediately, they also are searching the Netflix or some place where they can go and see the movie. Sometimes we tell people, oh, that's a good restaurant. I really like the pasta or the fried chicken. We just tell all these things, and the people that we are telling to would make an attempt to go to that place or the movie or the person that you're talking about they would talk to because of the love and trust and respect they have with you and me. You know what the study also says? Only 2% of people in this country invite somebody to church. What a sad state it is. People even ask me a lot of times, why are you starting this Be Encouraged Network we already have plenty of churches in this country. What is this that you're trying to do on Sunday morning? Is this a church? I'm telling you this morning, and I believe this with every cluster of my body, 
mind and soul. God is breaking the barrier of comfort zone in this nation through this pandemic. I strongly believe that God is using this pandemic to wake up the church in America. Look at us this morning. Look, just forget everything that I said so far. Look at us for a moment, right? We, we are not in any building. There is no entertainment songs before the church. I don't need to worry about like having worship leaders come and just lead each and every one of us into worship. We don't even, you don't even see your preacher's face. I don't know how many of you even know how I look. I'm very specific about not putting this messages on video. No marketing budget. No pressure on anything to dress up or ties or, I mean, we have given importance, way too much importance to the unimportant things and lost what is important in this process. God has placed you and me in a perfect place right now to tell about how good our God is and how loving he is. And, and, and the thing is that we, we are so complacent. We just got like a so easy and comfortable. And God is saying, wake up, church. Be bold. Be courageous. Don't, don't just like do this, this faith of yours like a golf clap. Get passionate. Get behind it. Go after what is closer to my heart. Go after the people who are hurting. Go after the things that are just like I'm breaking my heart. This morning when Miss Colette was talking about how it is so breaking her heart when she sees a house being evicted with young children in that house. It has to start to break her heart. We have become so comfortable. When someone is going through rough time, we should be preparing some meal like Miss Barbara and taking them with us. Going to church and dressing up and doing all those things. I'm not against any of those things. All I'm saying is we've given way too much importance to what's not important. And the thing is this, God places us in the right spot for us to be. A couple of years ago, we were in Canada. And the thing is that in, in, the, in that uh, place when we went to, it's really cold. You know, by September, there was uh, this cold wave that comes. We're talking about cold in October in the, in the, in the nation of Canada or the eastern part of Canada. The cold gets so brittle that it stays cold, and this white thing that is on the floor outside our house stays for nearly six to eight months. You have to stay in that place, inside the house. The first time we got a dump of snow, we had 50 inches of snow. Right? When I cleared the, the snow from the pathway, you know, it was almost like we were walking through an igloo, right? The, 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 the thing is, like, I was throwing the snow above my shoulder, right? We were not happy and comfortable, but here's what happened. I met a man named Oswald. He was from a country called Sri Lanka. 
And back home in, do, in those days, even now there is a little bit of fight going on, but those days we had a guerrilla war going on between India and Sri Lanka. And people were getting killed and we were hating each other. And here in Canada, there are two guys and the one thing that connected both of us is the Christ. And we were serving food. We were having good time. In the course of time, I was able to lead this man to Christ. And today he is a vibrant minister in Canada. And right after that was over, I was moved back to U.S. What am I saying? God uses every single situation, every single thing that we go through for his glory and his honor. And he places us really well where we need to be. And the one thing that the last thing that I want to say about this girl is her compassion towards her master. It's not just like his master's wife because that's all she is serving. But she had a compassion because she says, no, 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 please tell the master to go to Samaria so he can be healed. In God's story, every one of us have a significant role to play. That's what the enemy wants to erase, that imprint from our heart. Look at her. She is talked about even today. Thousand, thousand years later, her name is not even known, but people are getting ministered by this young girl because what she did was very significant. She is not an anonymous hero. She's still the hero of the story, even though Naaman is the hero of the story. Right? Number two, the healing begins when our pride dies. What do you mean, sir? What Naaman represents, this man, the army general represents, is you and me. We think that we have a lot to offer to God. We want to give God the tithe. We want to give God the offering. We think like, oh, I'm just doing a favor for God. No, we don't. We are sinners deprived and need a savior, period. We are in need of his grace and mercy every single day. Sometimes our pride that comes in between what God is asking us to do and exactly what we should be doing. And especially for men, it's really hard to, to do certain things because the pride kicks in even more for men than women. We men are very proud. We don't want to tell somebody we have a problem. Pride kicks in to say, I'm intelligent, I'm skillful, I've accomplished something. I just don't want the people to think low of me. Right? So sometimes we don't even tell somebody what we are going through. But here is the most dangerous thing about pride. When we have a pride, we are full of pride in our heart, we start to write our own prescriptions. This man, he came to this country, this nation of Israel now, from Syria with a letter from the king, and the entourage of people, 
and he brought like a gold and silver and some clothing. What was he thinking? He was thinking that he can just like go and offer some of these things just like what he offers to his God so he can get something out of God. When you are next time trying to give an offering or a tithe or something to your church, don't, don't think that you're doing a favor to God. This is something that you're offering as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. When you do this with the fullness of your heart and that you don't do this like a bribing God to do something for you, that is the kind of offering God is looking for from you and me. Look at this verse 11 uh, in this chapter. It says, in arrogance, actually, Naaman is actually writing his own prescription. He was very furious, right, because the, the, sir, the, the, um, he went to the king, and the king was just like a, trying to tear his clothes off, and so what happened is like a, um, when the prophet hears about it, he says, no, this is not your problem. Send them over to me. He comes. Naaman, the army general, the mighty man of valor, he's just got all the credentials. He's got an entourage of people. He's just wearing a golden, you know, uh, armors around him. He's just got like a really pretty dress and a nice chariot. He shows up in prophet's. Um, you know, house. And the prophet did not even come out to greet this man. He sent the servant to him and said, like, go tell him to go to Jordan and wash himself seven times. Can you imagine how much of his pride was just like creeped in? In fact, when, when that thing happened, he was just like a furious. Bible says he was raged. In, in, in the 11th verse, he says, he was telling to himself, uh, he was, what he was thinking, how this was going to happen. Sometimes this is what happens to us. Uh, when we need healing, we actually want to tell God how God should be healing us. Right? He, we want to become an advisor to God. God, I'm going to the doctor to tell him to write the prednisone so I can have my steroid today and get my body healed, right? So we, in fact, to tell God to tell the doctor on what he should be prescribing to us, right? But that's exactly what Naaman was doing. He was saying in 11th verse, he will surely come out to me. He was thinking the prophet would come out to him and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hands like the pageants. Uh, the beauty pageants come out and just like a wave their hands. He was thinking he will wave the hands over the place I have the leprosy and my leprosy will be healed. That's how he was thinking. Right? We all want healing. We all want the, prescri- the things that, you know, we want requires God and, and God alone to heal and he can use any means to heal us. Last week when we read about that man who was blind, it's not like a God ran out of ideas on how to cure this blind man, and that's why he just spit 
okay, I've run out of every possible way that I can heal people, so let me spit on this ground and make a, a clay out of that mud and let's put it on their eyes. No, God was just like doing, Jesus was doing something very specific and sending a message to you and me that when we go to him and ask him for something, when we need a healing of our marriages, when we need a healing of our body, when we need of the restoration of the jobs that we need to have or the, the oneness that we need to have with our wife or husband, what we are doing most of the time is like we are telling God how this needs to happen. If only they come to me and talk to me, then I will forgive my wife or her husband. If only she apologizes to me for what she did or he did, then I will forgive that person. They're telling God, like, yes, I'm willing to forgive that person. Right? You know, if only they do this and this to us. If only they are smiling at me, then I would probably forgive that person. Okay? What if God is not going to heal us in our terms? What if God is asking us to do something that's beneath, like a Naaman was told to go to the Jordan River? You know what was irking probably Naaman, and it's not told in the story, is this. Naaman all along kept his healing, or sorry, sorry, kept his leprosy to himself. It was a private affair. He probably took a shower in his private bathroom. He never came out in public and told even his own servants that he has leprosy. Now, in order for him to get cured, he needs to take off his clothes and in front of his servants, he has to dip himself in that water. Sometimes when we want God to heal, we want that to be held in a private room. We don't want our, 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 our you know, inabilities, our, our, our things to be known to others. It is such a dangerous part for you and me to fight this battle all by ourselves. God did not create us to fight our battles alone. And that's why we need to uh, hold arms with our fellow believers to just like ask them to pray for us. Or be open enough to share with somebody that they won't even judge us. God could have made it easy for this prophet because he has already done well. He has listened to that girl. He has gotten the letter from the king. He has come to a country where they would have been fighting with each other. But he has already done all the good things to get to this point. God could have healed him. But God was going after something more than what Naaman was asking for. God was after a sozo in the life of Naaman. Look at this verse. Naaman is so furious. He's saying, in my own country, in Damascus, I have better rivers, which is actually true. 
if you look at the Jordan River, it's just like a dirty river. And the people wants to take like a baptism in that river. I just watched and heard and seen how dirty the Jordan River is. It's just like, a, you know, so dirty that the, 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 the fish and everything is just like all over, like a swamp, right? And that's what he's saying. Oh, my God, in my country, there is like a clean water. I could just like take a shower there. Oh, God, I can just like go to the doctor, get it cured. I'm not saying going to doctor is a bad thing. All I'm saying is like our heart in going to that place, right? The pride, when it intervenes, just like what happened to Naaman, Naaman was offended. I could have done this at the convenience in my own country. I got my preference. I got my thoughts. I got my plan. I have my script. Right? What do you want from God today? Are you willing today to go home unhealed because you're willing, you're not willing to be humble? What could have hurted Naaman the most at this point in time, his arrogance and his pride could have taken him off. Don't for a minute think that it only happened for Naaman. It happens to every one of us every single day. Because of our pride, we are willing to walk away from what God wants to do. And the thing is this, right? He, there was a servant in Naaman's, uh, there was probably a guy who was just driving his chariot. He gets on a, a officer's chariot. He goes to the master and says, if, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? These are like the things that made Naaman, Naaman, even though Naaman was angry and frustrated. You know what he did? He just like took another advice, which he would not have normally taken. Right? And then he goes down to that water and he dips himself first to time. Nothing happened. He's still wet. Nothing changed second time. The skin still stays the same. Third time, nothing happened. He probably thought, is he making a fool of myself? Or am I making a fool of myself doing all these things? God wants you and me to know this morning. If he has begun a good work in you, if he has begun a good work in George's life, in, in Ryan's life, if he has begun a good work in your life and my life, he is faithful to take, us, take it all the way to through. He only wants us to trust him in this process, even when we don't see the proof. Sometimes God wants us, God wants us to go into place where we have never been to. God wants us to go to his presence. God wants to go to his word. God wants us to seek him with all of our soul and our heart, even when Things are not happening around us right now. We heard testimonies this morning. We heard testimonies of like a, how God was just like a, changing the lives of people. 
I heard like a one on Friday night from Barbara German about his about her daughter how she was just like when she went for a test they found something and so she came here last week and asked for for the people to pray for her daughter do you think it was easy for Miss Barbara no she humbled herself to tell somebody about her need to pray for her daughter and God saw that and later this week when they when she went back when his daughter when her daughter went back to the hospital they couldn't find a trace of the stuff that they originally thought was present they looked and looked and looked they went to another doctor they looked way far on the back they found something because God has already cured what needed to be cured and the thing is this everybody was scared that it was a cancer so how many times in this line we hear cancer and you know tumors and covid and so many times the people are getting healed not because you know they they are they are just like you know telling somebody about their issue it is because they are humbling before somebody and saying can you pray for me and god is very pleased with that he's in the business oh he is in the business of healing one last thing and then we will wrap up after he was healed so first we saw how that girl was very well placed then we saw how a pride can take us away from what we are supposed to get and that's why we have to be careful to stay in the word we have to be careful to stay near him we have to be careful to pray because it nourishes what we are praying for is just like a getting the ingredients that it requires the last thing that he says after he got cured he comes and begs the prophet to take something from what he brought in he was saying can you just take just a piece of gold or can you take this piece of silver and the man of god refuses to accept he says all is well god will take care of me don't worry about it right and at that point naaman makes a request to the to the prophet please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth in another place it says dirt after he was healed he is just asking asking the prophet can i take some dirt from this place in fact i can i take like a two two mules two donkey loads of dirt from here right why would he want to take a dirt from that place right this is an enemy's territory this is a nation of israel he has a bigger country his rivers are clean why would he want to take a dirt from here right here's the thing the bible clearly says in so many occasions how that the land that we stand is a holy ground when when moses stood in front of that burning bush god said remove your sandals for the land that you're standing on is a holy ground 
later in Joshua's life, when they were about to cross Jordan, God says, remove your sandals, for the land that you're standing is a holy ground. The holy ground that we're standing is, is just not a physical location that God's talking about. It's the place where we are today. We've gone through enough in our life to get to this place. We've, we've, we've seen the goods. We have seen the bads in our life. And God has brought us to this place. This place that you're standing right now is a holy ground. And Naaman knows that the place that he's standing right now, this place, he has raided Israel. He has been the king's favorite. He's got all the riches. All that did not buy him what he needed. All that did not cure him what he was going through. God took him through all that to this very place that he's standing. And he doesn't want to forget that place. He just wants to take a little bit of that dirt back home. In fact, he's explaining that. He says, when I go home, I'm not going to worship the same God that I worshipped before. I'm giving my loyalty completely to this God who cured me today. If only he paid the prophet something, he would have walked home saying, oh, I got something, he got something. And God pressed on the prophet's heart to say, no, don't take that from him. And here, this man wants to create a memory of this ground that he's standing. Noah wouldn't have forgotten the ark because that's a memory that he wants to hold on to till he went to grave. Moses never forgotten that burning bush because it changed his life. David would not have forgotten about the fight with Goliath because that changed his life. Elijah wouldn't have forgotten the day when the heaven poured the fire to take the offering. Joshua wouldn't have forgotten the Jordan because it stopped when they were about to cross. Jacob wouldn't have forgotten what God did in his life throughout what he spent in, in his uh, uh, father-in-law's house. Uh, what happened there, he just remembered till the end. That's why we read in Hebrews, he was leaning on the staff and worshiping why he was remembering all the things that happened to him. We have to remember and create a memory stone for us. Every time God does something good to us, we have to keep a track of the things that God has done. That's what Naaman is doing. Naaman is saying, let me take some dirt back home because I want to remember this very moment of what happened to me. I will never go back to where I came from. This morning, I'm here to tell you, don't put this God in a box. Don't think that just because what is going on around you, not able to pay the bills or having the relationship in, in, in distort with your children or your marriage is just in the rocks. Don't ever think that God hasn't seen what you're going through. God has placed you well where he wants you and me to be to do what he wants us to do. Number two, 
if you are praying for something and it's not happening, look closer into your life and see if there is a pride that is stopping you from doing what God has called you to do. Even though it may look beneath what you may be going through, it may be just hurting yourself to talk to that person. It may be really hard for you to go to that place where you came from. It may be too hard for you to talk to your daughter or your son. But God is saying, I'm ready to heal as long as you are ready to do what I'm asking you to do. It is really, you know, a God who just needs to open that door for you and me, for us to be cured from the leprosy that we are going through. But in order for that to happen, he is asking you and me to be clear with him first and do what he's asking us to do. And finally, don't ever forget when God does something to you, create a memory story. It could be a notebook where you can write what God has done because of what Naaman did on that day. Today, Syrian, which were Syrian, the nation of Syria still has churches, still has like a synagogues and things like that because of that young girl who was taken as a slave, brought salvation to the nation of Syria. Praise the Lord. Brother Vince. Thank you, Brother Cyril, for the message this morning and how it applies to our life on an everyday basis. And learning about Naaman and the, and the girl and the servant girl. And Naaman was a great man, commander, honorable. He was blessed in many ways, a hero, but he had leprosy. God gave him leprosy and he was looking for a healing. And we learned that we're a place where God wants us to be. Mm-hmm. Is where the girl the girl comes into play. Is she was brought as captive, and we're given an assignment to see it through. He, you know, he'll take care of us because where he wants us to be, it's a perfect place. But sometimes we we pay attention to the if onlys. If only I had enough money. If only I should have said something. All the if onlys we talked about today, and that's what I'm reminded of, is the, the, what's the thoughts that creep in our head are the if onlys that prevent us from doing what he wants us to do or from being where he wants us to be. But this girl forgave. She, she got rid of the resentment and was able to speak up to her master and as a result of her speaking up, there's healing. But even in our own lives, do we have the courage to speak up to a stranger, to a family member, to a friend, to a coworker, when that voice inside our head says, say something, all the cues are there, speak up for his glory. Will you speak up or will you not say anything? And what comes in the way is our pride and arrogance. And especially when we talk about healing and, and what, what prevents the healing is we want it on our own terms because we're sinful. We want the prescription. 
of our own selfish desires. We want the healing, and he wants us to heal us, but he'll use any means possible. And sometimes that's hard to get our, our minds around how he will heal us at any means possible, which may be beneath us. We may think it's beneath us. So how do we deal with our pride? Only through him. Naaman's life of God is after his Zozo, as Cyril said, Zozo. He was not after just healing his physical leprosy. He was healing, wanted to heal him spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, inside out. Please don't let the pride and arrogance get in the way of what God called us to do. Don't listen to the if-onlys. God wants us to, to be in a place where we might not feel comfortable. He may lead us to a place which is uncomfortable. And God wants us to be in a specific location for a reason. He wants us to speak up when he urges us to glorify and honor him. Amen. Sarah? Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, rebellion, or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread, representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life, now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, we take this cup representing your blood poured out from a splinted cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spilled. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. On the night before he was crucified, Jesus brought some bread and he brought this cup of wine. And he was sharing with his people and saying, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body broken for you. Out of this morning, we're just like a crying before your throne of grace, Father God. For all the times that we've been prideful, all the times that we've given up on you, all the times, Father God, we haven't been serious with what you've asked us to do. Father, this morning, before we take this bread, Father, we are asking you to clean us inside out, just like a house. Father God, when you cleaned Naaman, his skin was like a baby's skin. It was so tender because everything was changed that day for Naaman. 
Even this morning, I pray for my brothers and sisters on this line, Father God, as we take this bread. Father, I pray that you will remove every piece of the dirt from our life, Father God. We want to be clean, just like how you cleaned the name in this morning as we take this bread. Father, we pray that you will just clean us out inside and outside, Father God. Clean our heart, clean our mind, clean our body, clean our soul, Father God, as we take this bread. Let us go ahead and take this bread. 